The recording is in progress. God, they always, welcome. They tell us. Cody's here again. I'm back. What up, boys? Cody Dean, the Sausage King. The sausage King of New Hampshire. That's right. The Sausage Kingpin of San Diego, actually. That's him. There he is. What's up? We got him live. Uh, I missed you guys. Daniel's here. Yep. As with every week. He's here. Every time and I'm not a guest. I used to be a guest. You have to remind people. On a different we also have, podcast. Uh, we also have Andrew here. I'm not yeah. here. Andrew's here. I'm not here like it's Dan, a show. Bob it's Dylan a, or something. Yeah, I kind of like that. I'm going through my artistic phase. I only oh, wear boy. black. Anywho. <laughs> tennis hats. Black tennis hats. I'm taking tennis lessons, I tell you. Yeah. With a pro? Sick. Good for you. You've been doing that for a couple of weeks, right? Yeah, yeah. It was my fourth session the other day. And you uh, feel like you're getting better? Yes. Yep. Infinitely better. He said it too. And I was like, nice. The man that you're paying uh, for lessons the says that the lessons are making you better. Says, well, they're ob- it's obvious, bro. I have natural <laughs> athletic ability. Um, and uh, just hitting the tennis ball is a perfect outlet for all of my pent-up energy. Do you have anyone to play tennis against that's not your tennis instructor? Well, that's the that's the that's the point of the lessons. I'm pl- I'm learning how to play so that I can compete. I can play against other people, and I have some holes in the game. If you'd imagine having never actually played tennis or been ever trained in it, uh, things like my serve. Um, no, my backhand's tight. Backhand serving tight. is hard, man. Just it's hard. Throwing, throwing a ball straight up and having it drop down in the same well, place. You actually want to throw it like one or two o'clock out a little bit and a little bit forward so that you're yeah, driving. Oh, I guess to I'm the ball. following outdated But I, I'm just saying, you know, you're to, to prove your point, it is. There's a lot to it. Um, but it's all timing, it's rhythm. I is it like, joy. wait. But is it like pickup basketball where like once you play tennis, you just show up at the court and be like, yeah. yo, I'm next up? Well, you got to kind of find people that are in your skill level. The thing about tennis is it's not fun to play with people that you're much better than or that are much better than you. The goal so there's is a ranking find, system and you can find yeah. people that way. There's apps to do it, but like the old school way is you got to do a club in this area and then, you know they introduce you to a group and then a group knows another group and you kind of rise through. I want to, my goal for it is I want to be able to beat people that played in college. And then that seems like an aggressive goal. I think I can do it. I think I can make it happen. Um, you just need reps. You need a lot of reps. A lot. You need a lot of reps. They spent like their whole life taking reps. They can play in college. We'll see what happens. My coach has confidence in me. You just buy another set of 10 lessons. He can get you there. Yeah. I asked him, I was like, can I keep paying you? He's like, yeah, I think you can. I'm like, all right, cool. Generous. I want another 10. But uh, I got a ball machine too from work. Free? Yeah. They gave us a $1,000 inspiration check. I was like, okay. Can I come work? Wait, no, never mind. They said, use it, that use never it to, goes well. to grow a skill that you've wanted to, you know, do. It's it's like, you know, do something with it. Start start a, you know, your coding, uh, your coding idea or something like that. Are you Very, off of golf then? No. Now you're on to tennis? No. I need to play tennis because it keeps me active. Hmm. Keeps me. Um, Get that cardio up. I got to just have something that I'm, that hurts a little bit. 
while I still have the body, while I still have like a youth to me, because it's getting, it gets away from you. And then if you, if before you know it, it's gone. And I'll always golf, dude. I went to the range right after my lesson the other day. Nice. I, uh, so I on, on this on this episode rushing, of man. guys in their thirties getting older <laughs> minute by minute. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's this a good was the, segue. That was the most. That was the most guys in their thirties conversation ever. I couldn't even couldn't even handle it. Uh, well, a good segue into the. It's topic. still happening. So I went to the driving range. <laughs> um. No, we're here to talk about God and only God, and that's all. Nothing else. Galatians, go. <laughs> yeah, you guys invited me on. You said the topic is going to be Galatians. I'm going to need talk, a little bit more. We want to talk yeah. Galatians, bro, because it's been coming what up is, a lot. Galatians for you. What does Galatians mean for to you? That's right. That's the name of Keller's book about so, so, Galatians. But right. um, yeah, have you read it recently? Me? Uh, no. Yeah. Oh. You Just, have read since since getting the topic from Andrew a couple of days ago, I cranked through the Book of Galatians and had a Catholic theologian. Uh, I listened to his take on it so that I yeah. could be prepared for the faith justification by faith book. It's a good one. Well, that's what it is, right? Is that in the simplest form? It's it's you know, and this is where Keller kind of comes in and he says, "All right, this is this is it. This is for this is what separates the men from the boys in terms of right, like." Are you saved by grace? Are you saved by, you know, Jesus is a teacher and we follow the rules and that's what does it. Um, well, let's hear, I actually didn't expect to to have a Protestant take on it compared to a Catholic take. So that's why hear, Cody's here. I want yeah, to hear the, the Catholic Tell me take. about the Catholic. So like, what is the takeaway from Galatians from a Catholic point of view? Should yeah. We, so, yeah. Should we do the one that we know, Daniel, or do? Well, go ahead. No, I like. Uh, I, I think no. I we. I, we I think I'd be we interested. To, go ahead. Go ahead. So, okay. Okay. I was gonna say. I think I'd be. Goodness gracious, you guys! I haven't been on, so our timing's a little. Yeah. Uh, I think that I would be interested in hearing like Keller's take on it and like kind of where you guys are coming from. Um, I'm happy to give the Catholic take on it, but I do feel like I have a tendency to like start talking and then never stop talking. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd prefer if like you guys give me your take and then like I can, you know, run through like the Catholic differences and maybe we can like go back and forth about, you know, what relates, okay. what doesn't. Andrew, can I, can I do this? Because, yeah, because you, I'll, yeah. on the other, on the inverse, I'll yes. go on about it too. Exactly. So succinctly, uh, Galatians is about Paul reminding some relatively new Christians, Galatians, the Galatians, the people of Galatia, uh, who are Gentiles mostly, and who are experiencing peer pressure from Jewish Christians, telling them that in order to be Christians, they need to be doing the Jewish stuff of the Jewish ceremonial law. And Paul is reminding them simply that the gospel presents a really basic mathematical equation of, uh, this is just one side of the equation, Jesus Christ plus nothing. And when he tells his narrative of how he came to understand the gospel and went to Jerusalem to make sure that his understanding of the gospel was correct, he said that the original apostles that he met with, basically the seniority of the church, they added nothing to his message. That's what it says there. It didn't say 
They didn't modify it. They didn't remove anything from what I said. He specifically says they added nothing to the message, um, which gets to the point that grace is Jesus Christ plus nothing. Anything else that you put in there, you put it there in terms of your readiness for God or your or your beauty for God. The reason the Jewish ceremonial laws had to be removed from this process is because they were put there to basically erect barriers between ordinary people and God to make them feel like they weren't clean enough. So many of the laws are about cleanliness. If you touch a certain kind of person, you're unclean. If you menstruate, you're unclean. If you have a nocturnal emission, you're unclean. Um, What's so radical about the gospel is that you're ready as you are. And anyone who thinks otherwise that they need to be ready in some way misunderstands the gospel. So I'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, I think like by and large, right, the Catholic reading of it is similar. Um, but I think there's a relatively important like distinction of terms that we should go over. Uh, exegesis versus eisegesis, I-S-E-Jesus. I'm not sure terms, yep. Okay. So exegesis reading uh, reads out of uh, like the text um, uh, as opposed to like what the original author intended when they wrote it. Right. And so I think the Catholic takeaway is not really that different. Right. Um, But I think like it's more specifically focused on like, what is Paul talking about here? Right. Like Paul opens with like basically a couple like defenses of himself. Um, He like mentions that I am an apostle. Like he mentions people saying like, Oh, Paul's been inconsistent on his teachings on circumcision because Timothy got circumcised and what's the deal there. And Paul's like, no, I've always been very consistent on this. Uh, When he mentions going to meet with like Peter and the other apostles, um, he mentions that Peter initially was like, no, people do need to be circumcised. And he basically corrects Peter. He said, no, they don't need to be circumcised. And the church essentially accepts that. Um, And so to the Galatians, right? I think you, the Catholic Church or the Catholic reading of it agrees exactly with what you said, where uh, it's in terms of the Jewish like uh, ceremonial laws and that kind of things. And when he refers to <clears throat> the law over and over again, specifically like the law of Abraham and the laws that the Jews had been following up to that point, and he like takes the the understanding that I have of it is that he actually takes an even firmer stance of not only do you not need these things, but if you go and get circumcised to be cut up. Like Timothy got circumcised because it was kind of convenient and made sense to like fit in with the people he was trying to like preach to. But if you go get circumcised because you believe that that is necessary, not only is that unnecessary, but you are actually like putting yourself into a position where like you are trusting in the law and like now you're no longer living by faith and you no longer can bank on the fact that Jesus is going to save you because you clearly aren't trusting that. Right. And so I think where the difference comes is that the Catholic reading of it doesn't go so far as to say, you know, faith alone, right? Where where Martin Luther would say, like, sola fide, and he'd point to the Galatians and say, Paul says, only by faith, and you live only, like, you are justified only by faith. Um, the Catholic Church would say, like, specifically what Paul is saying here is that if you're trusting in the Jewish law and the ceremonies and circumcision in order to be a relevant factor into you getting into heaven, like, then you're making a huge mistake. The Catholic Church would not go so far as to say, that means that you don't need to do works and that like those are not uh, relevant in terms of like salvation. Uh, and there's a couple like points in here, which like we can go over um, specifically where like Paul references works and service and that kind of thing. 
um, that the Catholic Church kind of points to. But that's generally, I think, the difference between the Catholic take and what I heard from you. Tell me about, that, so works, works are important, but tell me about, and you're right, he does acknowledge them. What does he, and I, I, don't, I didn't pull it up in front of me, but I'd love to understand, is there an order of operations? Like what role do the works hmm? have in salvation? Why do you, what drives you to do the works? Where does that come from? Sure. Uh, so, I mean, specifically in here, right? So if you go to five, uh, chapter five, verse six, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love, right? And so it's not works without faith, right? It's faith expressed via your works, right? Uh, and further down in 513, but do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, rather serve one another through love for the whole law is fulfilled in one statement, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so the conversation of faith alone versus faith and works, I think, is relatively nuanced in the sense that Protestants that I've talked to, in my experience, right, we're kind of saying the same thing opposite ends of the coin, right? Catholics will tell you, you have to have works as a necessary portion of what your faith is. And I think that Protestants will tell you that real faith necessarily manifests in works. And so they are tied together, like inherently tied together. But I think that the Catholic Church would take a step further and say, listen, not only is it a part that will naturally manifest. If you're not doing works, then your faith, to quote James, your faith is dead, right? Faith without works is dead. And that also doesn't really mean anything. Those are just words coming out of your mouth. If it's not being expressed through acts of love and acts of service and works of those kinds, but works in and of themselves are worth nothing. That's a good summary. Appreciate that. Andrew, you want to, chime in i think that's the the most important part is why that's where i i kind of have the the most um the you know the most questions i think jesus in general is concerned with intent the root of everything right um killing someone in your heart is as good as killing them that's a very glaring you know difference to people that right see it a certain way it's like no it isn't right i could hate somebody and i didn't kill them that's not the that's not the issue but when it comes to this it's like the root of why you do these works i think is 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 the the root of everything you know and and on the on the one hand you know it sounds like am i i'm getting this right where catholicism's concerned it's it's you're doing the works out of still a duty it's a duty bound work system. It's somewhere in between, you know, it doesn't make clear the motivation for why to do the works. And I think it creates a situation where people can do things that are nice and their hearts in it, but it's, it's the reward system after that always concerns me that are you patting yourself on the back? Are you patting yourself on the back on behalf of the church? Do you feel that you're, somehow gaining point system even if you know deep down hey you know it's not the that's that's i know that's not what it is but i do like you know the way it 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 looks in the context of my 
church. That feels, that feels like the right thing to do. I'm going to keep doing it. Or are you really compelled to do that work because of the love you have for Jesus? And, and that's your gratitude. That's, that's, this is the only way we can repay him for what he's given us and is, is, does it matter? Right. Why? That's kind of where I'm at with it. I think you said something that I'd never heard it expressed that way, but I actually like quite a bit. You went in a different direction than I would go, but where you said with Catholicism, it's a duty. Uh, I think that Catholicism does view it as a duty, right? I think a lot of the times when I speak with people that are Protestant and this topic comes up, it becomes kind of where you went at the end, right? Which is, okay, you can work your way into heaven, you can do good things. And really, what's the point of that? But I think the Catholic Church views it as a duty where it's like, okay, you want to sign up for the team, you want to say that you have faith, here's what's required of you, faith and the duty to do works. And if you're not doing either part of that, then you're not pulling your weight on the team and there are consequences for that, right? Potentially consequences. My understanding from a Protestant perspective is your faith will cause you to do works. And if you're not doing works, then maybe there's a question of, do you have real faith? But they're not individual things that are both like duty bound for you to do. Right. If you're not, if you find yourself not doing them, I think if you find yourself in, in, uh, you know, having that gap, you're not having that full relationship with Christ, that full relationship with Christ, just like it'd be for your spouse or somebody that you, that you love you do these things because you love them. You take the trash out, even though they haven't asked you to do it because it's, you know, I don't want you to have to go through that. I just, uh, and this is, this is where I think it's very interesting and why I think it's, it's important that there are, I'm, I'm starting to see why there are two different schools of thought is because I believe it's like on the wrestling team, there were three coaches and they were all very different personalities. Some people responded very well to the tough love coach who was not going to give you any praise, was not going to make you feel good about yourself. And when you finally got a nod from him, you earned it. And that was their motivator. You got the other coach who is all like, you can do it. You got it. You can, right. And you, you, some people geared toward that. And then somewhere in between, like a middle ground. And I feel like Catholicism hits a certain, you know, I'm, I'm looked, I'm looking at it like, What's the goal? We want followers of Christ. Does it matter how we get that? If some people are more motivated to be a, a better follower through, all right, well, this is what's being asked of me. This is what I signed up for. I, I'm going to go get it and I'm going to go do it. Um, they're still doing the works. They're still serving. They're still being good Christians. It's, it's undeniable. It's right there. Um, and then you can, on the other hand, have Protestants who are really good at talking about all these things and understand them and, and, um, not necessarily be motivated to do those works in that same way. It's really, it's, it's kind of tricky. Does that make sense? It's like, it's like there's, there seems to be schools of thought in, 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 in everything we do It's people. You're, you're drawn more toward one concept. You're being a Barnabas right now. And is that right? It's trying to make everybody happy. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm looking what? for, I, I have a hard time condemning one or the other. I just can't, I can't see the. I don't think it's a matter of condemnation so much as well, it is like. Let me, let's, let's, let's paint a picture of a scenario. Like what you said, okay, if you're going to say, I'm just going to repeat basically your words back to you. You're going to say you have faith. Um, 
there are some expectations that come with that certain duties. And if you don't uh, meet those expectations, there may be consequences. Mm -hmm. um, and the duties are, are works. So what do we do with a prisoner in solitary? Sure. So I think that's a decent question, right? And people will point to uh, similarly the uh, uh, criminal being crucified next to Jesus, right? Where he professes that Jesus is who he is. And Jesus says, all right, well, you're going to be with me in paradise. It's like, well, what works did he commit? Right. And I think that it none. comes. is none. The point is none. That Well, that's like the Protestant argument, right? The Catholic response to that as well. Like, public proclamation of who Jesus is, is like evangelization, which is works. But I think more than that is to me, the same concept of culpability that we talked about when we talk about people being saved that have never heard of Jesus. Right. So if the opportunity never presents itself, your person's are in solitary confinement that becomes a Christian and never interacts with anybody ever again which isn't even true, right? They're going to interact with guards and the way that you treat the guards can be an opportunity for works. But let's assume, let's assume for the sake of the example, they never interact with anybody ever again. Okay, so there was no opportunity there to do a work. And, you know, I don't think that God, I don't think the Catholic Church would claim that God is so legalistic. that saying, well, sorry, man, you, you joined too late and there was no opportunity for you to do a work. And so you're not in. I think that it's your culpability being the level of responsibility that you have is determined on your opportunity to fulfill that duty. If you have opportunities and you choose not to take them, that's one thing. If you don't have any opportunities, that's a different thing. One, thank you for responding to that. One, one additional distinction I'm starting to see is that, uh, and, I, and I'm not, I, I don't think this Catholic Protestant dynamic is really use, that useful for understanding the core point here but there's a i think galatians is concerned galatians is concerned with don't add stuff to mm -hmm. the gospel because that is flipping it upside down and what that necessarily means is a concern with interiority with the things that can't be known with matters of the heart um it, so that that is t you know the the prisoner in Solitary. The, the issue is not so much that he doesn't interact with anybody. He might actually there. There are endless opportunities for works for him. Actually, in every, uh, in any moment where he is, the problem with being in solitary is that your, your humanity is stripped from you. Um, and I think actually Christ gives you a chance to get it back in a way that someone without religion in that situation would be in really bad shape. Um, or just knowing that like this, this particular lot that you have been dealt, if you repent, um, doesn't matter because Jesus already did all of, did all of the suffering. He already did it. He took your place already. It doesn't matter so that this, uh, so you wouldn't have to be burdened by this. And to talk to someone in that position about works, just w it wouldn't, it wouldn't compute it would not compute because the core thing there is uh, repentance, uh, acceptance of his need for a savior. And that's it. Sure. And, and here's the, here's a distinction that I, I was actually speaking with somebody recently about is more and more, I was becoming bothered by basically the 
what I felt like was a Protestant hand waving of, you know, when I'd start bringing up issues like, I don't know, Mary, confession, faith and works, right? A lot of the time, the Protestant response to that ultimately becomes like, well, what does it matter? We're all Christians, right? And that kind of bugged me for a while because I was thinking, well, it does matter, right? These are important distinctions. And then in speaking to somebody, we kind of, in talking about it, stumbled upon an answer that I think is relevant, which is it's not necessarily a matter of salvation, right? But that doesn't make it unimportant to talk about. Now, when we're talking about Galatians, right? Can we argue back and forth, Catholic, Protestant, whether Paul's basically hand-waving away all uh, works or whether or not like he's making that point here? Sure. But I think that you touched on something important, Daniel, which is like, that's not really the point of Galatians, right? The point that Paul's trying to make in Galatians is you can't put your trust and your faith in laws and human standards and the flesh, as he calls it, right? I think that we think of the flesh when we say that usually as sexual sin and, you know, partying and being crazy. But when he talks about the works of the flesh here, right, he even goes down to rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of fury, acts of selfishness, right? So when we put in our faith in man-made regulations and rules, we submit ourselves to the flesh uh, and the sins, I guess, of the flesh. And Meanwhile, what's important is being like in the spirit, right? And he talks about the fruits of the spirit there as well. Uh, love, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness. And I think that's the point that he's trying to drive at here in Galatians, right? Whether Paul's trying to make a commentary on faith and works, whatever, that doesn't seem to be the point of what he's talking about here. And while I do think it is an important and interesting topic, right? I, I think that it's uh I agree with you. If the faith, the, I I didn't want to get into the, I didn't want to get into that at all. Uh, I think this bit right here, uh, this is six, uh, five twenty-two. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, for good reason. Um. What's at stake here, I think, is like, what is the starting point? What is between, ultimately, what is between you and God? Mm -hmm. And he's talking to a bunch of people who have first stripped it all away, which was right to do, and then put a bunch of stuff back. Now, the stuff, uh, we're not even talking about specifically Christian things that we think, in this case, they they are confused about things that they need to do to be proper Christians. But we... Uh, in a very explicit religious law sense. But uh, if you talk to a lot of Christians, and I mean, I'm, this is Keller's experience, and he's he's spoken to many Christians, is that they, the way they talk about their relationship to going to church or practicing, or just how, how they express their relationship to faith, makes it clear that they feel inadequate still, because they are a work in progress somehow and aren't ready for it. And I was there myself like a month ago. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to my uh, pastor and I was like on the wavelength, like I'm getting this and I believe it. And that is surprising to me. And this is all quite revelatory. What's next? And he said, well, baptism would be next. And I was like, okay, well, that seems like a big step. How do I know I'm ready? 
And that is the crucial misunderstanding of the gospel. If you think, and he said this back to me, he said, if you think you're ready when you show up to baptism, it is not for you. And that is a Paul sort of thing to say that that readiness comes only on human terms. That's right. That is me justifying myself saying, I can do all of this stuff to ensure that I'm ready for God. Nope. None of it matters. If anything, it's all getting in the way. It's mm-hmm. exact. It's not of anything. It's exactly what's getting in the way. It's a, it's the it's the only thing that's getting in the way. Mm-hmm. It's 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 still right. Like you said, defines that you have some sort of control over your readiness for the gospel. It isn't. It isn't. You aren't ready for it. It's it is something that <laughs> is waiting for everyone. It's 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 you that's in the way of it. Um, and there, yeah, and also if you extend that sense of I will never be ready, it is not about readiness because I cannot do anything to be ready for God. He 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 made me in His image. Yeah. If I believe that about myself, that radically changes how I interact with other people because I can no longer be, um, I can no longer be judgmental. That's obvious. I can no longer think about. Um, I can no longer be snooty and think about how other people are practicing their their Christianity. Like that is their, I cannot decide for them what they need to put before they get to God. That is entirely up to them to figure out that they are as ready as they're ever going to be. And we will, as Christians, come across, and we already have, come across many, many other Christians uh, who are struggling to really get to the core of the gospel and are anxious about Andrew, you've described this as needing the pat on the back. They do many good works. They are exemplary Christians. And yet, at the end of the day, they're wondering a little bit, did I do enough? And there's almost like an inverse relationship between how much they do and how secure they feel sure. for maybe clear reasons. But, like you but, find someone, yeah, go ahead, Andrew. No, that's that's exactly what I always am, I've been getting at and trying to really pry open, and I haven't seen it done any other way um unless it's really viewing it through galatians which is again i said it before but every why you do things is is what i believe matters i don't think i think that is what keeps christianity so available to everybody it's because it's because no one can escape that you have to dig just another layer deeper behind the why of what you're doing for the bad stuff and the good stuff there isn't a there isn't an in between, and the only other thing that can see in that deep besides you is God, and we mm-hmm. all that's where when when it's time to rest, that's who comes up. That's where it all comes from. Um, we know why we decided to prioritize work over our family, even if we don't tell anybody and we keep it inside, and we don't right whether we're afraid to look and really find that answer. Um, you know, and the gospel keeps us on that track and says, Hey, why don't you challenge that? Why don't you want, why do you work so hard? Why are you working so hard like this? Is it because you care more about what they think? What, how much money you're making, whatever it is, right? Um, you're afraid you're not going to be a good dad. So you just don't show up. Is that it? it? It doesn't matter. Um, Jesus gets to the core of that. Um, and this is where I think Paul has the best take on it. Um, and that's, I see where, where it can kind of get a little out of hand where it's like, okay, literally he's talking about the foreskin. Okay. <laughs> you know, yep. but, um, 
what it reveals is really, I think, so much deeper and, and can even penetrate some of the core tenets of, uh, it, 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 I hate to say it, but it's what can put you in that zone of saying, oh no, people are maybe right there. Maybe they're so close, but they're actually just missing it. And watch yourself when you feel that way, because you're starting to believe that you understand the gospel, <laughs> um, you know, better than other people and just, you really get it. And that's also dangerous. It's, it's, it's a humility birth. The only thing that can, that can get you out of that loop is the purity of that faith and knowing that the intention behind that sentiment, even wanting, you know, seeing other people close, but maybe missing it, um, has to come from Jesus. It can't come from you, right? It can't come from you or anything. And this is what I talked about in the last episode was, was, you know, wanting people that are close to me to get this message and almost prioritizing them over the, the people that I, I've yet to serve. It's Cody, not God's, you, you said, yes, yeah, you said the word God's team. Will necessarily. You said the word team before. Mm -hmm. And, um, what I'm going to call out there is that being on a team is a sort of tribal instinct, right? Well, if you're sure. on a team, that only means something because there's a different, there's a, duff, a different team, right? Sure. And we define ourselves in opposition to the other team. And um, I think this, this, what the gospel wants us to do is realize that uh, if we are defining ourselves by, uh, these kinds of divisions, we are, uh, we are just, whether it's in a faith context or not, we are just coming up with our own, re we're just coming up with our own reasons, our own small human reasons. Let me that, halfway yeah. backpedal on team and halfway defend the sure, use of the term. Sure, do it, yeah. Uh, I think that, yeah, if, if the delineation of the teams is, us Christians versus non-Christians or whatever, right? Then I think that you're right. But I think that the devil is very active. And I think that he actively works to take people away from Christ. Uh, and so I think when I use the term team, I'm using it as like team Jesus and everybody that he wants to save versus team the devil and the demons that are trying to stop that from happening, right? There's room on the team for, in my mind, every human ever right created, on. you know? Yeah. The team that, should that have That makes all more us. sense. That makes more sense. Like team good, I guess team good and team Evil. outside. Evil. <laughs> the axis, the devil's part of the axis of evil. That's right. Team outside the city, outside the kingdom. Yeah, that's exactly it. Uh, Harry, but, Potter, hey, Harry Potter fans, basically. So, Daniel, I'm yeah. uh, curious, uh, and I meant to ask this last time I was on, but I, you brought up like baptism and mm -hmm. that's being the next step and you being convinced. So would you categorize yourself now as a Christian? Or are you still investigating? Kind of what would you categorize yourself My as? My baptism is scheduled for next Sunday. Dope. So, yes, you would categorize yourself. I would as a categorize Christian. myself as becoming a Christian. And I oh. would. And I would not say that um, after I get baptized that I, I I don't know how I could ever say with certainty. Well, no, I, I have to, I'm a Christian when I accept 
Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And That's I've great. already I've already done that. So awesome. I baptism is like I I it's a it's a thing humans do mm-hmm. um in community with each other to demonstrate something important. Sure. And it's a way to Im- the word baptize means immerse. Uh and Although I will not be doing an immersion baptism, I will just have pretty sure I'm getting water sprinkled on my head. What what I am committing to do is immersing myself in the murkiness of humanity. In the, I should just read my email because I said it as to my pastor. I said it as well as I was ever going to be able to say, yeah. say it. Um, like what the why of why I decided. Yeah, read the email that you sent yeah, to him that's when, probably you, when you decided, because it best took you, to it. you already crafted it. Yeah, well, I'm just wasting my time <laughs> paraphrasing. Paraphrasing uh, yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, this I wrote this email to my pastor. At, there was a, uh, the reflection, the sermon uh, was about becoming, accepting ourselves as God's beloved, which is something I've been struggling with. I, mm. I and this won't fix it. <laughs> When we last spoke about baptism, uh, sorry, Reverend Scott's sermon, the verses from Ephesians, the quotation at the start of the bulletin, the conversation we had this past Friday, they all seem to be pointing me to the same thing, what it means to walk as God's beloved. When we last spoke about baptism, we were parting ways at my building. I asked about readiness. In truth, I knew already that I wanted to be immersed in the depths of God's love, to face the turbulence of my own soul, and soak in the messy, beautiful humanity of my community. I delayed for the same reasons I've delayed so many things in my life. I was expecting to get to a point of sufficient knowledge, preparation, clarity, whatever, such that I could proceed with confidence of guaranteed success. But I know now what it means to set my own timetable for a relationship with Jesus, and I don't want to do it anymore. I'd like to heed the same urgent advice Saul received in Acts 22.16. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Excuse me, chills. That was awesome. That's right? fantastic. I couldn't stop smiling when he said it to me the other day, and I was like, I want to print it and just have it on my desk and just look at it all the time. That's unbelievable, dog. That's for, that's fantastic. It's the real deal. Um, yeah. Wow. So, what Keller said something. The gospel sends. What, what did he say? Some something about sends signals. Uh, the gospel sends out lines into your life. Look for them, see them. I've been doing that a lot mm. hard. And I just was all of the resonances about this specific thing about like, you need to accept that he has you uh, really made it clear to me that uh, it wasn't about readiness. It was about acceptance, uh, it's submission to some extent. And baptism was my way of committing to that as a lifelong thing. So I don't know, does that make me a Christian? Like I believe as much as I'm, you know, I, I started with less than a mustard seed and I have maybe half a mustard seed, an entire mustard seed is more, more faith than I think any human is capable if we're talking about the scale of God and Jesus and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. um, I hope that answers your question. It does, man. And I mean, you know, definitionally, right. You did, you did hit it on the head. Like, does that make me a Christian? Did baptism? No. What makes you a Christian is you say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe it. Like I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Jesus is that guy. Like that's, that's fantastic. That's super cool. Um, I am glad that you shared that with us. We won't get into the 
Protestant versus Catholic take on uh, <laughs> baptism today. But uh, I certainly agree. Like I got I got baptized, you know, when I was young and Protestant and like that public proclamation of faith and like saying it in front of like the church. And, you know, I did do the submersion baptism. Immersion? Submersion? Immer both, same thing. Okay. Were you, were you a baby or you were like a, you were like a, like a tyke? So I have been baptized like three times. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, when I was yeah, the more that, yeah. <laughs> just keep on pouring the water on. When I was a little, when I was a baby, my mom had us baptized in a Lutheran church, and the Lutherans were like, "Well, this is baptism." My mom's like, "Nah, I'm just committing to raise my kids Catholic. You call or uh, Christian, you call it what you want, but like I'm calling it like a commitment ceremony." Why didn't she uh, want it to be baptism? Because she, being Protestant, believes that it's a, you know a personal choice that I needed to make when I got older. Um, okay, uh, you know, um, to go to not really get into the conversation, but the Catholic take, right, and probably the Lutheran, since it's uh, basically it's... Catholic light, is that like baptism is doing something on a spiritual level that's like not symbolic of you know me pronouncing to the church it like actually does something on a spiritual level. Right, the way the same way transubstantiation is a thing. Right, exactly. And so that's why the Catholic Church and the Lutheran Church are like, well, this is a thing. And I was like, mm, no, this is me saying, like, this is me baptizing my kid, saying, I'm going to believe it. He can choose to be baptized later if he wants to do mm -hmm. it. And then I was just, like I said, I was wearing Jesus shirts, man. I got baptized like two more times, uh, once in front of the church, like once in my youth leader's backyard. I did multiple Three. altar calls. I was always, anytime there was an opportunity to publicly, show people that i love jesus i was doing it that's awesome do you remember wow um did anyone ever ask you have been have you have you been baptized and then did you ever have a chance to <laughs> say several times did that ever come up you just wanted it it's like it's like oh, you're yeah. like they're doing one i hear they're doing one I, next week I got are, you, are you married yes several times <laughs> several baptism <laughs> crashes <laughs> yeah sometimes i go in and pretend i'm not a christian i'm like whoa i'm buying this message can i get baptized <laughs> <laughs> wearing the shirt inside out so they can't um, tell one of the to answer your question daniel no i don't know that i've ever had an opportunity to tell people that i think when i became catholic when you get confirmed if you haven't been baptized they baptize you and i told them like hey, i was baptized protestant They're like yeah that's baptism that counts for not doing it again oh nice. Oh, cool nice <laughs> yeah. that seems like the uh, one yeah, thing yeah. catholics recognize <laughs> yeah. about protestants awesome uh, one thing I was going to, I didn't make that, Little dig. I didn't, I didn't yeah. did not mean to make that a dig. One of the things I, I have to add, there are some like things I have to do. So I have to, uh, the pastor is going to do an individualized seminar for me. And my, this is part of church membership as well. Um, but it's, I talked to my nanny who's quite devout and she said that, uh, it's typical for people who are asking to be baptized that they do like a session, informational session, just to like align on the fact that uh, they understand actually what, because like when you do an altar call, like everybody's welcome. So before you, before people really fully publicly commit, you actually want to clarify what the gospel is. I think that's actually a super important opportunity to clarify for them it's not about how often you go to church it's not about how much food you donate that's not uh, those are great things that you will be inspired to do if you understand the gospel if you understand how much love you are the beneficiary of and it will uh you will be inspired to reflect it out into the world um but 
yeah, I was just thinking about how many, how much I was trying to get into the headspace of the kind of person who knows nothing about Christianity. And of course, they're, they're the tagline for Keller's podcast is, uh, what, did they, what does she say? She says, uh, the problem most people have with Christianity is that they think they know everything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, uh, I feel like people coming from a place of ignorance, um, although these Galatians shows that you can easily be swayed into adding things on um, and complicating it for human explicitly human reasons if you start with nothing and then you get the gospel and then you focus on it like you're basically set we all hyper intellectualize it and make it way more complicated for ourselves than we need it to be and i mm-hmm. think people coming approaching it from a place of ignorance and purity like that sounds awesome i want it is fine as fine as it could be mm-hmm yeah, None of this, like, is this for me? What does it mean for me if I do this? No, 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 no. That sounds amazing. I want that. I want that transformation. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. I'll do anything. And then you find out what's asked of you and you're like, that's it. You know, that's really the, it's, 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 it shouldn't feel. Unless you're the young rich man, in which case you're like, oh right. man, that's a lot. <laughs> but, but that's exactly how it keeps you. That's exactly how it, the gospel works. Is 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 right in right in front of your face. There you are, yeah. or there you are, or maybe it's there, or maybe it's there. Anywhere you go, it's it's inescapable because it cuts to the root of your decision making processes. And if you can't look at those decision making processes for what they are, and they're specifically designed to ensure your either your uh, sense of security, sense of well-being, success, whatever, whatever it is, those, those, those they're selfish. <laughs> they, your, your decisions to open your mouth, your decision to p- cut in front or say this about that person to this person, but not this person. These are all things that we be, we as human beings take as as natural as air. And the older we get, the, the more autopilot becomes engaged and we get set in our ways we get stuck and and what else on earth can can take a 33 year old man out of his exact you couldn't tell me i wasn't doing everything right you couldn't tell me you really couldn't yet people i'm sure tried and they found out what that was like you know until something reached out and grabbed me and made it very clear that everything that i do not for god is is a, is what makes me a sinner. It isn't just that I cheat or I lie or I steal or I manipulate or whatever. It it it's it's the it's how I breathe. It's how I think. And, and when you can turn that off, it's when you've given your heart and everything that you are to God. And there's the gap. This is why people can can go and and i think practice and 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 be christians in everyday life and really be devout people as far as they're concerned but not have that complete submission there is still even at the molecular level ways that they serve themselves and it, and, it, and it's impossible to detect without the gospel it's impossible can't be done well i mean you 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 know to go back into galatians right where he's talking about the works of the flesh right that 519 where he goes uh now the works of the flesh are obvious immorality impurity impurity licentiousness idolatry sorcery like starts out with some like 
pretty heinous ones. You know, you're listening to you're like, oh, I don't do idolatry. I don't do sorcery, right? I'm not evil. I'm a little sorcery. Yeah. <laughs> Mild. But then he kind of goes like hatreds, rivalry, jealousy, outbursts of fury, acts of selfishness, the dissensions, factions, occasions of envy, drinking bouts, orgies. I feel like he turns it back hey, up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he turns it back. Orgies. <laughs> <laughs> and orgies. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, don't forget. You know, but like those kinds of things, right? When you talk about like the young rich man, right? I, go sell everything you have, follow me. Like that's a pretty dramatic like uh, example. But these, right? When you talk about people getting in the way of like their own ability to serve God, it's because like... How many of us, you know, until you're in Christianity, until you have, you know, the Bible telling you like, oh, these things are wrong. How many people are like, oh, yeah, acts of fear, outbursts of fury, me getting angry at people is, you know, holding me back in the same way that this guy that's doing sorcery is holding me back. Right? <laughs> that's a great point. That's a really important. Yeah, that they're not, there's not really a hierarchy. I mean, yeah, there's, there's not a hierarchy that wizards like casting spells and stuff. Lightning bolt. Lightning bolt, firebolt, um, is just as bad. I don't know, why is that bad? If they're doing it for the, <laughs> I can't. I think I think the, right. It's like just as bad, right? Like whether there's a scale of it, like, but it's easy to hold on to. It's easy to hold on to selfishness accounts, like occasional envy, right? Like that's easy to hold on to. It's like, yo, it's not that bad. I don't have to let these things go. It's like, no, you you do. Just as much as the guy that's got to let go of Firebolt and Fireball and Mage Hand, he's going to let all those go. And Fire, fire. what's the, uh, there's an alcohol uh, by that name. Fireball. 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 Yeah, let go the, of Fireball. The issue yeah. is, though, is that, all right, I, you know, the root of the sorcerer is that he thinks there's a magical force out there that's, you know, he's somehow in control of. Well, he's trying and, to be, he's trying to be b bigger than God basically. Right. And and the jealous person or the hateful person is, is saying essentially that there's a force that requires this. And that's me. That forces me. That yeah. forces me, you know, and, um, I, something, you know, I'm benefiting from that. That's the thing. And, and this is what I mean. It's like, I actually don't think you can ever stop being jealous. I don't think you can ever stop doing any of these things and i think that that is that's the nature of our humanity which in is the nature of our sin that everything we do is more or less sinful without the without the lens of the gospel without the it's 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 in the it's in the want it's in, not in just in the wanting to not do those things it's in the pursuit of getting closer to god that you're able to get the strength to not be mm -hmm. jealous. It's it's just in that journey alone. I, I I think what scares a lot of people away is that like I'm going to be in a constant conversation with this with this savior, aren't I? I'm gonna everything I do. If I do something wrong, I have to go back and then follow up and check and say I'm sorry and and I'm gonna do it again. And if I mess up, he'll forgive me. But right, it's like I just don't want the trouble. I just rather not. And it's, it's like, I think if you're there, you're, you're as close as you can possibly get, but still missing it because it is in the pursuit of your goodness. It is in the acknowledgement that I am not being good for me because it's going to do anything for me. I'm being good and I'm not, and I'm watching my jealousy because I have every reason to, to believe that it means nothing. 
that it is it is not the there is no value to my anger for my hatred for my racism for my you know sexual desires for these things they're all of this earth they're all dust it is it is very obvious to a person who's abstaining from those things as a, as a real christian i think to to avoid those things because they they are not godly and and in your lens is now transformed and that's that transformative part through the gospel that like it does it's not something that you even think you can control it is just happening yeah well i think you hit the nail on the head right with you got no chance of not being those people on our own, right? Like, I mean, you, I guess there are examples, right, where you talk about somebody like the Buddha, right? And yeah. You're like, okay. Really good stoic type yeah, of person. Sure. Right. But you, you look at that, but how that like actually plays out, like, I don't know, right? But you look here at whatever, 18, 518, right? But if you're guided by the spirit, you're not under the law, right? And then he immediately goes from the law to what we just talked about with the flesh, right? And then in contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And like, to go back to your question, Daniel, of, you know, when am I ready? How do I know if I'm ready? Like, here's the beautiful thing is, all you got to do is get into being guided by the spirit. He uses the capital S here. So talking about the Holy spirit, right? So invite Jesus in, invite the Holy spirit in. And then the Holy spirit makes you ready. Like the Holy spirit takes you and sharpens you and turns you into the kind of person that you should have been, I guess, when you wanted to enter into the, into team Jesus, uh, the kind of person that should be on that team, the Holy spirit turns you into that. You don't have to be that person. All you got to do is say, all right, Jesus, you come in, you take house in my heart, and I'll start living the way you want me to live. And all of a sudden, all these things that we look at were, how am I ever going to walk away from being angry? Right? How am I ever going to do that? The Holy Spirit shows you the way to do that. And you know, I think that you, you're made ready over time for when you go to heaven. You know, Right. Over the rest of your life, basically. Sure. Right. Made ready. I don't know. Uh, I don't, you're a sinner till the day you die. Yep. Uh, right. Maybe there's a theological point I'm missing here, but you're both, you're both, a, you, you're con, contingent on your, um, so your salvation is contingent on, uh, acceptance of your status as a sinner. Yep. So yep. you can't you you, you can't be a Christian and not be a sinner. That's, that's the whole right. thing. And I think a lot of people on the outside are just like, you're just trying to not be a sinner. You're just trying to avoid being one of those bad people that does and this is the way out of that. It's completely the opposite. It is an acceptance that everything that makes you a human being makes also makes you a sinner. That makes us all exactly the same. It makes us all equal in the eyes of man versus man. There can be no judge on this planet, even though all we do as a society is constantly judge one another and assess one another's quality. You know what the problem with the world is? Based on, the what, problem with the world is, is a Christian would say, "Me." Yeah, yeah. yeah. The problem yeah. with the world is me. Yeah, no joke. And start. So, let's start here. You know, I think I think next week what I want to talk about is maybe uh, the Holy Spirit a bit. I uh, that is definitely an area of my nanny keeps reminding me about the Holy Spirit. 
And I'm like, oh, you guys, you guys are going to tackle the Trinity. We That's want to all. We, we want to tackle the Trinity. Super, super easy, non-complex should, topic. Should be, should be smooth. <laughs> now you guys should nail that. Probably be done early. Forty-five minutes. I think. Maybe not next week. Then we'll probably, uh, probably study it a little bit. But I, don't, I, I don't think you should. Too. I don't think you should. Should just go off the cuff. Just go off. That's what how we've been doing it so far. <laughs> Trying to working. keep it relatable. One thing I want to be mindful of is that. Uh, we have started, we have picked up a very high context way of talking about this stuff. And uh, I want to remember that we may have listeners who are not familiar with some of the things that we're referring to. I'm not going to go back and explain it, but for example, we talk about the rich man that refers to, as an example, uh, Jesus is going about and people are asking him what it, what it takes to get into heaven. Um, and he says, you know, follow the law. And, uh, Accept me as your Lord. I actually don't remember what he says, but uh, the, basically says, follow, follow, follow the laws of Moses because I follow the commandments. Yeah, which yeah, follow yeah the commandments. I got it. Yeah, and the rich man says, "I got it." Yeah, well, anything else? And he's like, "Yeah, give away all your stuff." <laughs> and he's like, "Dang it!" And he turns around and leaves. <laughs> um, so truly, it is harder for a camel to go through the needle of an eye than a rich man. Uh, truly, it is easier for a camel to go through the needle. I have a needle yeah. than a rich man to get into heaven. Uh, that kind of thing, I think we need to spell out a little more explicitly going forward. That's a, it is crippling. I think that's a good. I think it's a fair point. That one's um, devastating. So just, I will try to be the um, the high context police and uh, call things out. You're also the creator of the high context. I'm the low. I'm the lowbrow one here. No, no, no. I that's not. What, that's not what high context it means. It's okay. not highbrow. See, exactly. I'll clear. High context <laughs> is when we have this all this like shared terminology, and right. we yeah. have to read we're, between we're, the lines. We're past the begin. Right. So it's right. So, so we, need to, we need to be, go back to low context and explaining things specifically. Um, it's how my wife feels when I start talking about baseball. She's like, right. Yes. You got to go really low context with baseball yeah. if you don't want the your person you're talking to to fall asleep. I will take I will take responsibility in today's episode for drifting off into high context and forgetting that there might be people that oh, that's all right aren't that's, on the terminology. That's okay. Some episodes are for people who are a little further in. Others are more for people just dipping. They're their toes. all for the Lord, Daniel. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right, that's that'll do it for this evening's. Uh, are you guys not doing stolen. quotes anymore? Uh, oh yeah, you got one, Daniel. Just, just fucking point to one in the Bible. You'll find it. Can you, Daniel? Can you just give me the like the last two like sentences of your uh, your baptism spiel as the closing quote? Sure. Uh, well, it was from Acts. So okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, yeah, I'll just read the end of it real quick. I know now what it means to set my own timetable for a relationship with Jesus, and I don't want to do it anymore. I'd like to heed the same urgent advice Saul received in Acts twenty two sixteen. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. a wrap. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week. On the Godcast.